You're listening to the Philly Maker Fair podcast. My name is Laura Cheneau. And I am Valerie Chiguendo. And I'm Jeremy DePrisco. We're here celebrating the creators, builders, inventors, and artists that bring their visions to life at the Philly Maker Fair. Hi, I'm Valerie Chiquendo. And I'm Jeremy DePrisco. And I'm Laura Cheneau. Today on the podcast, we're switching things up a bit. Instead of a guest for today, we are going to talk about how we got started as a podcast, what we've done so far, and how you can help us keep going. We'll also talk through some memorable guests and some moments we've had and then other things as well. So we have talked with 27 guests so far. Uh, which ones are the most memorable for you guys? Oh, there's so many. I feel like everyone brought something different than you guys think. Yeah, definitely. From a memorable, you know, which one was most memorable for me. And I think I'll pick three people just because they all uh, had one thing in common, which I really love. And it was that autonomy. They were just doing their own thing and uh, succeeding while doing it. And, and for me, it was definitely Keisha Watley, uh, Greg Fridman, and Evan Weinstein. Oh, mm-hmm. All three really interesting guests. Yeah. Keisha Watley, I love her art. But I'm even more excited to see what she's doing with Art House mm-hmm. and that community building that she's doing. Exactly. And I think maybe I'm biased because uh, Keisha, <laughs> she's building it in my neighborhood, my former neighborhood, Mount area, which I love. And she's really big about pulling the, her community into what she does and providing opportunities for people who wouldn't have thought they could like make a living from art and things like that so she Mm -hmm. teaches she not just art but like business and how to run a business and she has a actual physical space which is awesome I just felt like uh she had a lot to she has a lot to offer to her community yes I love her Mm -hmm. and uh Evan Weinstein he was as we're talking I just thought he was awesome he was uh, our first guest and uh, I think offline, we found out we used to, used to live we used to live on the same exact same streets. <laughs> so that was like a nice, nice surprise. But after I looked up his the, his house number, it was actually right across the street from my my <laughs> house where he lived. Small <laughs> world, great. yeah, really small world. But yeah, he was also very energetic, very excited about what he does, and is also you know forging his own path and I love it yeah and then Greg oh Greg, yeah, Greg, Greg. Greg Friedman was was he just blew my mind same <laughs> yeah. same loved, here I yeah. loved loved him yeah it's rare when somebody is so intelligent but still able to articulate things in a way that you know explain it like I'm five so to speak you know where you really can understand it and break things down in a really a good Easy sense of humor. Understand way. Yeah. A good sense funny. of humor too. <laughs> Agreed. I, so yeah, I really liked uh, Greg's comment on academia. So let's take a listen to that. When I left my faculty position to to lead the company, I made a list of pros and cons. Throw that list out, guys. If you're in academia and you're thinking of exiting, exit. <laughs> it's it is so much more fun on the other side. Uh, I'm actually able to actually commercialize and I can move pretty quickly. 
So it's, it's, it's nice. It's quite nice. If I want to put plasma on a tractor, I just take plasma, find the tractor and put it on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. His Greg had so many nuggets of knowledge. Like if you listen to that entire podcast, every bit of it was mm-hmm. really impactful and interesting. I love yeah. it. How about you, Jeremy? <laughs> Who are some of your most memorable guests? Um, well, definitely at the top of the list. Uh, I mean, there are so many that you can pick from, but I really enjoyed talking with Kel Smith. Um, and I think that's, you know, partly that's because I'm also uh, into some of the same electronic stuff that he's into. But I think the thing I liked the most is his way of articulating what he was doing and his the language that he uses uh, to talk about his work. Um, I thought that was really powerful. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I'd say probably Susan Murphy, um, from John Immens and, uh, her energy and her story was, was really, um, uh, really exciting to hear about. We actually ended up getting a couple of her, uh, ornaments for Audra's birthday, uh, as a birthday present. So she, her <laughs> birthday is usually around Thanksgiving. So it, it turned out to be good timing. Yeah. <laughs> I love what she had to say about starting at any age and learning things at any age. I'm super proud of myself that, you know, at at my point in my life where I'm closer to retirement than not, that I've actually learned how to use a laser cutter and I've learned how to use different types of software. So, I mean, the folks at NextFab certainly made that possible for me because they were so helpful and um, they calmed me down when I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but it's really, really fun just to come up with ideas and I get to play around with art and I get to make things and, um, I get to interact with people. Cause when I'm at NextFab, you know, I meet a whole new bunch of people that are mutually creative and, um, it's just a nice atmosphere to be in. Yes. And, and she also mentioned, uh, when she left her corporate job and, you know, that really struck a chord with me because mm-hmm. I'm like, she did it. She made it work. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, she, she's happy doing what she's doing. And yeah, Kel Smith, I agree with you, Jeremy. Mm. Uh, it was also really, he's all, it was also extremely interesting, very vast in the types of things he does. It's all mm. about problem solving. And then every time I remember that word, capiscular, <laughs> yeah. so we learned a new word too, it's a big word, <laughs> but he was able to describe what he does really well. <laughs> you never stop being a poet, but there's a point where you're always a technician. And I think that these things are important. I think mm-hmm. that operate in balance a little bit. And I think that's what attracts people to become makers at all. It's that, that, that yearning to want to understand how something works and understand, um, you know, how things go together, um, maybe a gap to be closed, but also an understanding of, of why we were put here. And that's what the humanities is all about is, is, you know, kind of making sense of what it means to be human and living on the planet. Well, I bet y'all can guess my two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> put you on the spot. Madeline Ralph Smith. I do. I love... I love that she has a crafting background, but I really, truly love how she does such uh, experimental performance work. And she uses glass as a metaphor for so many things, uh, especially when she was talking about the piece, her like post-pandemic piece where all of her senses are open. 
it's a device for, um, I call it device for opening up and it's a wearable device for my head. And I have a funnel over every facial orifice. So large funnels over my eyes, mouth, ears, and little funnels over my nose. And this piece is, it's sort of a performance art piece. Um, and I, I was thinking about like ways that you can take in your entire environment kind of amplifying your senses or appearing to amplify your senses while also making you more vulnerable. So in response, partly to COVID, like having to always wear a face mask. So this is, what's the opposite? Okay, a funnel over my mouth. Anything can get in, anything can get out. Uh, this is something, by the way, I only wear outside, around, not around people. <laughs> We're in my studio alone, just like a little asterisk over that. So um, that was a piece that, it was so funny when I was making it, I just like, I put it on to test it to make sure it fit over my eyes and my, my mouth. Right. And I would look in the mirror and I would just like start cracking up because <laughs> it looked so weird. And like my face was all distorted and it looked funny. And I love that. That's amazing. And I think you also mentioned after that podcast, I remember you, Laura, you're saying the way she describes her art. It's, it's so she did it so well that, you know, even just listening to it, it was uh, easy to tell what she does. And what about my second? Uh, that would have to be Kara Khan from Pop-Up Polaroid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no surprise there, you know, my degrees in photography. So if you're going to use a big four by five camera, we're already going to be yeah. simpatico right there. Yeah. Um, but I love to see people doing more analog work just because, you know, when I'm not on the computer, I do a lot of analog work myself mm -hmm. and seeing her diving into bookbinding and zines, two of my other loves was really mm -hmm. a nice, pleasant surprise. Yeah. It's nice to focus on, uh, to highlight that sort of work as well. Cause we do get distracted by all the technology and, and, you know, a lot of people misunderstand when we say maker, um, they, right away they think programmer or robots or something. And sure, that's a large part of what we do, but it's not the only thing we do. So we've, uh, I think we've done a good job of trying to balance that with the guests that we've had. Sure. Uh, we have mentioned Susan and Greg earlier, both active members at NextFab. Um, NextFab is one of the Goldsmith sponsors of the Maker Faire. So it was really nice to get a chance to talk with some of the folks that work in their labs and in their studios. Mm -hmm. And for those that might not be aware, uh, NextFab's a network of membership-based makerspaces in both Pennsylvania and Delaware. And uh, they provide access to tools, technology, education, events, and services for makers of any skill level. They also provide lots of networking opportunities to you know all kinds of makers, artists, technologists, musicians, many others. So it's a really nice place to see how the, you know, the, those, all those different types of skill sets can uh, be in one location and, you know, make great things. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to get, um, since we used Anchor for the podcast as our platform, at the end of the year, they send us statistics on, you know, what the best podcast results were and everything. And um, it looks like joining Greg Friedman and Susan Murphy and Kel Smith in our top five is also Michael Mastriani uh, from City Line Drawings and David Castellano from Mid-Atlantic Droid Makers. Oh, Michael's work is so cool. Mm -hmm. I love he's got that really nice organic 
mm-hmm. drawing. And I love his story about how he got started mm-hmm. and, you know, how he was sort of inspired to, you know, do the different landmarks around the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I think uh, guests who work with the families also, uh, that really inspires me as well. He really has a strong family influence in the work that he does. Mm-hmm. And I love that about, about him and his work. When I was growing up, my, my father, who worked a lot in the arts, had a lot of ideas for a family business, and I never quite found a role in them. And then I created a, a great opportunity for one, and we've been having so much fun that even in the, the hard times, it's been fun to just have a family business. And that comes from a lot of the ceramics are made by my father in upstate Pennsylvania, where he turned part of his barn into a studio. And my mother also helps out with packaging and design. So we have been, that's been part of it since almost the very beginning. And then I know Jeremy and I were both super excited to have any of the Mid-Atlantic droid yeah. maker David on the podcast because, you know, Star Wars for me as a kid was, yeah. you know, life changing. Mm. I'm sure many of us 70s kids felt that way and mm. <laughs> many modern kids do as well. So it was so cool to see how he makes such intricate uh droids and how they're using a lot of Arduino and programming mm-hmm. to articulate some of the movements like in R2-D2 to mimic what mm-hmm. he does on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, his is impressive. I remember he had said that he, I think one of the favorite things with making those droids for him is just to see people's reactions because it's like, imagine mm-hmm. some of them are life-size, some of them are, <laughs> you know, smaller scale, but. I've been standing next to R2 got my hand in my pocket or just at my side and everybody's looking around, you know, wondering, is it real? Who's controlling it? <laughs> and I'll just sit there smiling because they don't, I can't tell. I, you know, I'm just in my brain. I'm like, I shrug my shoulders. Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but... That was a good one. That was good too. Um, which guest comment surprised you the most? I think for me it was, and it was a pleasant surprise when Ian Peterman pointed out that with new companies, choosing the environmental option has now become the better business choice and more cost-effective. That was mm-hmm. a huge surprise to me. From a business point too, I'm, I'm definitely seeing it. It's the need to be a sustainable and socially conscious brand as a startup is, is becoming more of one of the checkboxes that needs to be checked rather than a Oh, it's nice to have, and there's hippies you can get to buy your product if you do it, but the, but it doesn't really matter to the rest. That was and now, me. <laughs> oh, that was great. It, it worked. It worked. It took a few decades, but it finally worked. So now, now a lot more consumers are buying based on what does the brand do? What does the brand think about? You know, helping other people. Do they have some program of giving back? Right. And those are those are starting to be more mainstream consumer inquiries which is of course driving business to go okay well we want we want to make those people happy because they're 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 the customers so Uh, i think for me it would be uh, roar for good when they were talking about um, the discrepancies between safety protocols in hospitals versus hotels and how they're trying to bridge that uh, difference 
uh, with the work that they're doing. So, for example, as hotel guests realize that the the housekeeping staff is potentially wearing a button that could alert security, now the guests are going to be more uh, less likely to create an incident. And the same with healthcare. So I, I just really hope as we get more and more stories out there of the prevention that it can facilitate that hospitals, nurses, and housekeeping staff make even bigger push. And once they make the push and you have a story for retention, mm-hmm. right? The housekeeping staff aren't going to leave if they feel safer mm-hmm. and the nurses aren't going to leave if they feel safer. So it becomes a business goal to keep your staff, to keep them happy, to make sure you don't have that cost of turnover. And suddenly we're, we're giving them a return on their investment. Uh, for me, I, I was pleasantly surprised as well with Gautam Chabrolu, like he's the one who had the pill eve. Oh, right. That was such a breath of fresh air for me. Um, I think, especially since I work in uh, the healthcare industry, um, and he, and I know this personally, I've worked in the controlled substances space and his solution was just so patient focused. It was so simple. So he's working at the, you know, the addiction challenge that we're having in, in, in our country right now from the patient's perspective, just helping them. Um, monitor and control their intake, not from a punitive perspective, but more of a, hey, let's help you with this little pill and make sure you're not dispensing more than you need to dispense. I really love that. That was, I thought about him for a long time after the, after the conversation. Yeah, it was very, it's very patient focused, which wasn't what I expected when we first went into our conversation, which was really, really nice. Yeah, and he does make a point to talk to a lot of the patients themselves and the caregivers and the healthcare providers. So that was, mm-hmm. I loved it. So which guest had the most motivating advice for makers? I think for me, it was Keisha Watley uh, when she was talking about being responsive and just, you know, answering messages and answering the phone and showing up. Here's the secret sauce, okay? Here's how I've won awards been on QVC and multiple museums in the city. This is how. When somebody calls me, I answer the phone. When somebody leaves me a message, I call them back or I email them back. Mm -hmm. Literally, I landed a $12,500 gig because I was one, I was probably the third or fourth artist they reached out to, but none of the other ones got back to them. Mm -hmm. All I literally did and it was awesome. And I love them. And I'm really like, I, I mean, I earned it, you know, that I answered the phone, but I was one of the people that people had referred them to. Right. right. And so it was really telling to me when they said, oh, they were so thankful. Thank you so much for taking our call. And, you know, uh, you know, thanks for sending us what you said you would send us. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you do. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but clearly not. Mm-hmm. So there are some very... <laughs> simple secret sauces that I think a lot of creators miss. I like Steve Legacy's steps for success. <laughs> I like the alliteration and I like the steps. Yeah, he was very clear about his step. That was, I like that too. Step one, what do you want? Right there, when the last time anybody really 
wrote down what they actually want. They complain what they don't have, but they never wrote down what they want. Second thing, mm-hmm. write down why you want it. Write down the why. Why do you really want what you want? Third thing, list the obstacles and adversities you have to come across. Most people don't list that. That's why I don't start nothing, right? The fourth thing, find the people, places, organizations you need to connect with to get you there. The fifth thing, find out what you need to know to get there. The sixth thing, write the action plan on how to get things going. And the seventh thing, which I always do on my whiteboard, mark that date. If you don't mark the date, it's nothing but a wish. I use them seven steps. And everything I do with the mark date, and I can say that every time when I mark that date, I meet that deadline. Uh, for me, Nefertari, just he, she inspired me in the way she includes her family, specifically her children, in the work that she does. So she's building a business and also building her family skill set. And then she mentioned, I, I think her whole entire, the conversation with her was very inspiring for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way she she emphasized the importance of family and children, having them being part of whatever work you're doing. And she did it successfully, which is good. The ultimate goal for my family, I want to leave a legacy for my family. Okay, mm-hmm. again, um, I'm an entrepreneur 30 years. I actually created a flea market that I ran for 25 years. And I thought that was the business that I was going to leave the children, but nobody had an interest. And it's like, you gotta, you have to create something where everybody has an interest. So when the pie came in, I was like, oh my God, $500. Oh my God, big pies. Oh my God, we can do this. And my, my son, I had, like I said, I have five children. The oldest is 36. And he has been groomed. He now has 17 years of management. He <laughs> manages nine Home Depots. Nice. Okay. So he is right now my operational manager. Nice. All oh, right. Nice. Okay. So, um, and my daughter, I have. Um, another daughter that she manages, she's, I think she's 33. She, her, her background is management, Arby's, um, what do you call it? IHOPs and all, and all those other restaurants. Right. All right. Hospitality. Yes. Yes. So I have a, the other daughter, she's 29. I'm getting ready to say, I think, I, I hope I got there. Anyway. <laughs> she's 29 and she's my production manager. Okay. okay, and then I have the two younger ones. They're seven. They're I'm getting ready to say seventeen and eighteen, but actually they're twenty and um, eighteen years old. All right, they are the 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 crew that's going to help me with the process. Everybody's going to help me with the process, but I'm giving everybody their titles. You know, my title is the executive operational manager. Jeremy met her at Venture Cafe. And for those that don't know, uh, Venture Cafe is a great place to learn about startup. Uh, resources in the Philadelphia area and actually beyond. They're technically they're international, so um, they have both in person and hybrid events. And uh, every week, every Thursday, they have a whole series of uh, people that are available for drop ins to do consulting, um, free of, basically free of charge, from what I understand. Um, so if you have legal questions, you have tax questions, you have startup questions, there's somebody there that can help. And then usually Thursday evenings, they have uh, present presenters or somebody there doing a pitch and then they're giving feedback on a pitch. Um, so it's really great resources. 
So as we look ahead to 2022, we're definitely excited to share some more guests um, in a variety of, of fields, just like we have before. Uh, so if you're a fan of the podcast and you happen to have uh, a friend or a family member that's a maker, uh, please let them know about us and ask them to reach out. And uh, if you are a maker yourself, get in touch. Um, so you could send an email to podcast at phillymakerfair.com or contact us on any of the social media platforms. We thank all of our guests, our listeners, all of the makers who helped make the fair special. And last but not least, all of the volunteers as well. Uh, since we've had so much fun with the Maker Fair podcast in 2021, uh, we are raising funds for 2022. We hope you will continue to listen um if you would like to further support what we do we ask you to check out our upcoming kickstarter campaign uh look for uh pmf podcasts on kickstarter and we're excited to continue this journey with you we can't wait to introduce you to more makers in the coming year please donate today and get back to making stuff Thank you for listening to the Fully Maker Fair podcast. We're streaming on all platforms, so join us each week. Learn more about today's podcast at fullymakerfair.com. We're social, so keep in touch. You can find us on Twitter as PHLMake. Also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Pinterest as Philly Maker Fair, all one word. And be sure to hit the subscribe button for future podcasts. See you, See you next, next week. week. The opinions expressed by the guests of the Philly Maker Fair podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the hosts or producers. If you enjoy the Philly Maker Fair podcast, please consider making a donation at coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com. Search for JD Maker or go to ko dash fi.com slash jdmaker slash tears. Your support helps offset the costs of recording, editing, and maintaining the Philly Maker Fair podcast. Supporters at any of our tiers will receive a shout out on the podcast and via our social network. Thanks.